He said, I want you to tell everyone as you're preaching the word. And if you have to even do my funeral, I want you to preach a gospel message. I don't want you talking about me. I want you to preach the gospel message. And I'm going to tell you why. He says, when I was out. I was in another realm. And he said, there was these evil looking things who could not get to me. They were not allowed to, but they were trying to. And they wanted me so bad. But the Lord wasn't letting them, and He told me to come back. It wasn't quite ready yet. And He said, I got some more things that I want to tell you in private when I can. And He never got that opportunity. And when I walked in, Ron's sister said, it's because the Lord doesn't want those things revealed. But he said, you make sure that you tell everyone that there is an afterlife. That it's not a fairy tale. I was there and I saw it. And you tell them that they had better believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'd better tell them how to, how to become a Christian. And so that's been a message ever since. And uh, we're going to share that message again today. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Kirk said, what? With no flowers? And I said, no. He said, well, what about fishing poles for next year? And I said, we'll put that on the list. We'll see if we can't get that done. The gals got flowers. Maybe we can get some fishing poles. Right, Gary? At least a, a lure, right? Or something, you know. <laughs> we'll get something. Some mud bugs or something. But anyway, welcome. And uh, happy Father's Day. And know that there is another side to this and that's why we meet together here and um, had Lee this morning tell me that she was ready for some corporate worship Lee it's great to have you here with stay and that's what we're going to do we're going to have some corporate worship happy Father's Day um, the Berean chapters was up there a minute ago it's basically Romans 4 and Genesis 15 through 21 I'm uh, going to um, come full circle today, we're going to go on our Sunday little drive that we do. We're going to start in Romans 4 and we're going to go through Genesis and come back around to there. If you want to turn to Genesis 15, that'll be the first place that we really land and get going. And, and as we do, I um, want to bow for a moment in, uh, in prayer and ask the Lord to bless us for the worship that we're about to give to Him in the study of His Word. And, Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for all the fathers and we pray that like the song we just heard, we want to be that man, the one who is holding on to your hand and in the lead and holding on to our family with the other to follow you. And Father, we, we thank you for being our father and giving us the greatest gift your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that from your holy and divine word this morning, Father. And we pray that as we study your word, that your Holy Spirit will be within us and will make it clear. Father, as we hear these things, I pray that it sinks in deep and we begin to actually visually see Abraham and his struggle with life and the promises that you give him. 
And we pray, Father, just thanking you for the covenant that you've made with us that we're going to discover today. Make it real. Make us to understand it and give it that as a foundation that we can hang on to in this life, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Glad the mic's working. I had a sore throat for two days last week. <laughs> um, you know, Jesus said something very profound in Matthew, the seventh chapter. And um, it's in verses 7 through 11, and he said something like this. He said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find, and knock, and it'll be opened unto you. And then he said this, for everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to the ones who knock, it's going to be opened up to them. And then he says this, what man is it that his child would ask for bread and he would give him a stone? Or if he would ask for stuff and he'd give him a serpent to eat, what man would do that to their children? No one, right? I mean, that's obvious. You wouldn't expect a stone or a serpent if you asked for bread, would you? No, but here's the thing. He said, if you, being flesh, being evil, being, in other words, not God, you've got a, a different side to you and a different turn than what God does, who is only good. If you know how to do that, then what do you think that your heavenly Father is going to do whenever you ask for these things? So, that's where we're going to begin today, our Heavenly Father. He's gave us some gifts. He, he really has. He's given us the gift of His Son, His Word, and His Holy Spirit for life. But His love goes way beyond our understanding. In fact, He so loved us and so loved the world that He gave that only begotten Son so that those who would believe upon Him should not perish but have everlasting life and Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 thanks be to God for his indescribable gift you know you can't put into words what God has done for us and the gifts that he has given to us it's indescribable it says and it's all about the character and the grace of God and be sure that the Word of God says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, this is why we've got to love that indescribable gift. Because if it were not for that, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life through His Son. In our day, you know, like today... It's the children who usually give the gifts to the fathers. But with our father, it's the other way around. It's him that's gave the indescribable gifts to us. And uh, I thought, what would be the perfect subject, the perfect text for a lesson for Father's Day to, to help us to understand? And I thought, started thinking about all the great characters that are in the scriptures from the front to the back. And I was thinking, well, there's the big three that the Old Testament always talks about, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, you've got David, you've got Joseph, you've got Moses. And as I looked at every one of those characters, did you know Moses 
almost died, that the Lord almost killed him because he had not circumcised his two children when he was on the way to Egypt. And his wife had to do it to save him. But he had not done that. He had not been the leader, the father figure that he was supposed to have been. And God started putting that pressure on him to where he had to ask his wife Zipporah to circumcise the kids so that he might live and fulfill God's purpose. It was like that with every person. There was a character flaw. There was something wrong. And I got to thinking, you know why? They're human beings just like you and me. So I think the perfect Father's Day gift and message is to say, you know what? Let's look at a guy who's got character flaws just like me. And let's see what God did for him in his life, okay? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. But before we get there, the reason I chose him is because in Romans chapter 4, it says this, as it starts out, it says that Abraham, our father. You know, Abraham is referred to us as the father of our faith. In the entire fourth chapter, it will explain that he is the father of faith. Because of his faith, we are who we are today. And then, he was a great man, but those flaws was all through him. He began with a promise in chapter 12. God said, come out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and I am going to make you a great nation. Your descendants are going to be great, like the sands of the sea. And I am going to bless you with all of this. And then... We're in chapter 15 now, three chapters later. And we kind of hit this a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, but it was so profound that by that time, Abraham had wrought a great victory when they captured Lot, his nephew. And he won a great victory with his 300 and some men. But then when he sat back, he thought, Kaderliomer, the king who had this great nation, he's going to go home and regroup and come back after me. And he began to have doubts about... God's protection. And chapter 15, if you're there in verses 1 and 2, it starts talking and says, You know, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward, the Lord God tells him. And Abraham says, How can you promise me that? And how can I rest easy in that kind of a promise when you haven't fulfilled your first promise yet? You promised me a son when I left. It's been about 10 years and I don't have a child. So if you haven't given me something small like that, how do I think you can protect me from an army and a king? And you'll remember that we turned out the lights and we had the screen up there with the stars. And how that the Lord God took him by the hand and said, Come outside, I want to show you something. And he looked up at the stars at night. And we said, We're going to do this too every time we begin to doubt. He said, you know what, who put those there? I did. With a voice, I commanded all of those stars to be. And you know, they've got, you can put on a computer program chart, and they've got them to where the position of all the stars and the galaxies and all of their things, like the Pleiades and, and the, the Big Dipper, they can go back 6,000 years and say it was right here. And they can go 1,000 years later and say it was right here, and two days later and say it was right here. You know why? Because it's orderly. Because God created it that way and they all flow in the same pattern through His power and might and His word that holds it together. And God said, Abraham, look up there at those stars. Can you number them? He said, no. He said, 
I've promised you, so shall your seed be that comes from your loins. Well, Abram and Sarai, as they were known at the time, they were impatient. Not that we ever aren't impatient. We don't want to wait for anything. But they're thinking, God's still not delivering on the promise. I mean, we go to the, to the very next chapter and there's some problems going on. He's, he's not ready for this. But here's what the Lord did, if you're still in chapter 15 with me. Okay? He said, I'm going to give you another thing beside these stars, Abram. I want you to bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, and a pigeon, and a turtle dove. Now that's an odd request, isn't it? <laughs> but he goes, he gets the things that the Lord God told him to get. Those three big animals, that heifer, that ram, that goat, he says, cut them in half. I want you to cut them in half and lay them side by side like a trail right here. And that blood from the, the cutting in half of the animals is going to flow into the middle right there. And he said, that's what I want you to do. Don't cut the, the birds, though. You just put one on each side, only the big animals. And it's, it's really about a covenant process. I'm not going to go into detail about that today. We'll save that for another time. But the Lord God told him to do it. And he did it, and he got out there. And what happened was, he said, No, certainly, the Lord told him this before he walked down between there, that your descendants, here's his promise, will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, and they will serve there. They will be afflicted for 400 years, and that's the children in Egypt until Moses let them out. And he said, but afterwards, though, they're going to come out with great possessions. And then in verse 17 there it says, And it came to pass that when the sun went down that evening, that, behold, there appeared to Abram a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. So there was a... A smoking torch and a burning oven. What led the children of Israel all the way through the wilderness after Egypt, right? Smoke and fire. The representation of the Lord. And that representation then at night walked that blood path. It walked between those animals and walked down that blood path. And you know why? He was making a covenant with them. He was saying... I'm going to give to your descendants, your seed that I've promised you. I'm going to give them the land from the river in Egypt, the Nile River, to the great river Euphrates. And then he, he said this, I'm going to sign this covenant right now. And he walked through it. And it's a very special type of covenant. It's a promise that is sealed with blood. Those larger animals were cut in half. And the footprints went down between the trail. And he's, basically what they're saying is, in this day, that was a covenant that said, I'm making a promise that I will fulfill my word to you that I've just given. And if I don't fulfill it, if I break my covenant, if I break my promise, then the same thing happened to me then that happened to these animals. I want you to do that to me. In other words, it's a covenant of blood. It's either I fulfill it or I face the same thing because they were sacrificed in vain. And so, this represented the symbolism of that, the guarantee of the promise that from your loins and Sarah's womb, there's going to be a child. And your descendants will inherit all these lands. And you know what happened the very next verse? 
You turn at that page to chapter 16 and verse 1, and it says this. They still had doubts. And Sarah says, you know what? Maybe it's about me. Maybe it's the Lord who has closed my womb. And let's try a different route. Let's, I've got a handmaid named Hagar. And why don't you take her and go into her and see if you can raise up a child by her? Maybe that's what the Lord wants. Well, that's not what the Lord wanted, but that's how they acted in impatience. We do some crazy things too when we're impatient and waiting and we think, Lord, do it now. And then a couple days later, we're like, okay, I guess I got to take matters in my own hand. Usually when I do that, I mess it up. That doesn't work out very well. And it didn't here because I'm telling you what, a little bit later, yep, sure enough, Hagar conceived, bore a son named Ishmael. And you know what? There was trouble in Abraham's camp. Because all of a sudden, when that child was born, Sarai looked over there at Hagar and Ishmael and said, that wasn't a good idea. She got upset and uh, some sparks began to fly. But that's what happens when you don't wait on that promise of God. And so what happens next then, we go to, uh, it says at the bottom of that chapter that Abraham was 80 and 6 years old when he had Ishmael. So now, you turn the page. It's 13 years later. He's 90 and 9 years old. And the Lord God comes to him and he says, I am the Almighty God. If you will walk before me and be blameless, I'm going to make my covenant come true with you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. And it says that Abram fell upon his face. To worship before the Lord while he's talking to him. But while the Lord begins talking about this, I'm blessing you exceedingly. I'm thinking that he's thinking, he's talking about Ishmael. He's talking about this son that I have that's 13 years old. And he's getting ready to bless him with that. But the Lord says no. He keeps talking while Abram's thinking. And he says, as for me, behold this covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer are you to be called Abram now, but you will be Abraham. And he says, I am making you this father exceedingly fruitful. Kings are going to come from your loins, and I will establish my covenant with you and your descendants. And he's thinking, yeah, Ishmael and the descendants that come through there. But Lord keeps talking, and look what he says now in, in uh, Genesis chapter 17 and verse 9, if you're following along, he says, and it, Lord God said to Abraham, though, as for you, you will keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you throughout your generations. Well, what is it? This is my covenant that you shall keep because God's already walked through the animals. He's saying, here's what I want you to do now that we're ready for this. He says, I want you to circumcise every male child among you. They will be circumcised in the flesh of their foreskins. And it will be the sign, this circumcision will be the sign of my covenant with you and to all the people who are out and around about. And he says, I want every male child in all of your generations to do this. My covenant is in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And those who will not be circumcised then, the male children, in his flesh, that one is cut off from his people and he has broken my covenant. And then verse 15 comes the big bomb. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, 
You shall not call her that anymore, but Sarah shall be her name, and I am blessing her and giving you a son by her. I'm going to bless her now. The covenant is getting ready to be formed, and she is also going to be the mother of all these people. And he fell on his face, it says, and laughed in verse 17. In his heart, he said, Shall a child be born unto me who is a hundred years old and unto my wife who is ninety? Shall we bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. See, he wants to believe what the Lord's told him, but he don't know if he can really grasp all of that. And so he does know that Ishmael's here. Are we not like that? We know that the Lord has blessed us in some way and has given us some of the promises that we talk about. But some of the bigger things we're thinking, man, I just don't know. How am I going to know? I'm a hundred years old. That's not going to work out. You see how he's got the same doubts and fears that we have with these promises? It says he bent over and laughed. I don't know about that. But he... uh, He keeps thinking that this shouldn't be working out this way. And then he says this as he laughs, face down, of course. He said, I'm a hundred. Oh, that Ishmael might be the one. And the Lord God said, no. And when he finished talking with them, it says that after that, that Abram did what the Lord asked him to do. He, He went immediately that very day and went out and circumcised Ishmael himself and all of the male children that was in his camp. And now... I'm going somewhere with this, so hang on. We're on our drive. Okay, I'm going somewhere. So now, Genesis 18, the Lord and two other angels come to visit Abraham. And Abraham runs and he has Sarah to prepare a meal for him. And he washes his feet and they get everything ready. And the, they asked and says, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's here in the tent. And the Lord says, I will certainly return to you. According to the time of the year, this year, this time next year, basically, I'm coming back and you're going to have a son by that time. And then it says that Sarah was listening in the tent door to all the talk and yeah, she's eavesdropping. Here she is, 90 years old, inside the tent door and she's eavesdropping to what's going on out there. Not that we would do that, but she's doing that and she starts to laugh herself and she says, (laughs) Am I going to have the pleasure of having a child at this age and my husband being old as the hills that he is at 100, about like Jeff here? (laughs) I had to to do that because you guys... (laughs) That's okay. I know. I got to tell you, I just had to break this up a little bit, but... Malachi and Deacon, my two little boys, every time I go to hand them something, I do this. And they're doing that. And, and then when I finally give it to them, I say, you know why I do that, don't you? You know what their standard answer is now? Because you love me. Yeah. I only aggravate you because I love you, brother. <laughs> but, you know, you can do that to folks that you love and trust. But anyway, so, so here she's in there laughing behind the tent. And the Lord says, why is Sarah laughing? Sarah's like, no, I ain't laughing. He says, yeah, you're laughing. You know why? Now, here's a sobering thought. Think for a moment. 
The Lord eavesdrops on our thoughts. You know, she might have been eavesdropping on what's going on outside the tent, but there's a reason why the Word says take every thought captive for the Lord. Because he's eavesdropping upon the thoughts and intents of our heart, okay? And so that's why we've got to keep it focused. But the Lord says, no, I eavesdropped on your heart. And you were laughing, Sarah. And she says, this is going to happen. And you're going to have the child next year at this time. And uh, then it says this. You're going to have the son how many times? We're getting ready for the for the big the big shakeup now. How many times has the Lord spoken with Abraham and Sarah now over these chapters that you're going to have a child? I'm going to promise it to you. Now he's saying next year you will have that child by the time I'm here. How many times does it take to get through our heads the promises of God? Just like with us on the things I, lo, I am with you always till the end of the world. Cast your cares upon me because I care about you. I can take everything, be it good or not good in your life, and I can take everything and make it work out for good. How many times, though, do we doubt those promises when we're in the not-so-good part of it until he turns it out for good? Just like Abraham and Sarah we're struggling with these things, but he says, this is going to happen. But I'm going to bypass Sodom and Gomorrah and go to chapter 20. Let's see how the father of our faith then is handling all of these covenant promises of God. Chapter 20 and verse 1. And folks, you cannot make this stuff up, okay? You can't make this up. After all this time, the Lord just talked to you. Now it says, Abraham journeyed from there. To the south and dwelt in Kadesh and Shur, and he stayed in Gerar. And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, Now listen, she's my sister. This is what she, he said of, of his wife. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent, and he took Sarah into his own uh, concubine room. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because the woman whom you have taken is a man's wife. And Abimelech, he, he's like, what? Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did, did that guy, did Abram not say to me, she is my sister? And she even herself said that, the, that I am his sister. I did this in the integrity of my heart. I didn't know that in innocence did my hands do this. And the Lord said to Abimelech in the dream, Yeah, I know that you did it in the integrity of your heart. And that is why I have kept you from putting a hand upon her. So that this wouldn't happen until I tell you about this right now. And so, so the Lord said, I withheld you from sinning and didn't allow you to touch her. Therefore, restore her back to her husband, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you. And things will be well. But if you don't know this. If you don't return her. That you're a dead man. And you shall surely die. And all who are yours. And I'm thinking. Are you serious? Like I said. You can't make this up. Next year I'm going to visit you. And you're going to have a child. Next thing you know. He goes off. And he's gave up his wife. Saying that it's his sister. 
and the king. And the reason is, it's only a half-truth. You know how we always say, well, it was a half-truth. I didn't really tell a lie. It was a half-truth. They had the same father but different mothers. So they were half-brothers and sisters. And so they made this thing because the Word of God says that Sarah was beautiful. That she was a beautiful woman. Abram had the fear of dying. And he always thought that if I go into a city or a nation and I say that that's my wife, she is so beautiful that they will kill me so that they can take her. And so he had her to buy in with this, that everywhere we go, we will say that we're brothers and sisters. And a couple of times she got corralled into a harem of a ruler and God had to intervene. You know why God intervenes? He's faithful. Had to keep her pure, and he's faithful to his covenant. He's made a covenant with them that you're going to have a child, so I've got to keep this lineage pure. And so God has to intervene because of the deceit and the fear of Abraham and Sarah. You see how they're just like you and I, and they struggle with these same things. So, yes. Goes in, he, he comes back out of the court, and I'm thinking here, if God has told me personally, now think about this for a moment, put yourself in Abram's place. If the Lord, a few months ago, came to you personally and said, I will visit you next year at this time, and you're going to have a son, don't you think that if you trust him, that you're not worried about that king or anybody else because God's going to take care of me. But no, just like you and I with the promises, as life happens, we kind of forget about them a little bit, don't we? And we get involved with life instead of just concentrating on what the promise was. So now he's got to be the physical. Men, happy Father's Day because I'm going to lay this one on us. Abraham was supposed to be the physical and spiritual head of his house. Overseeing their safety. She might have already had the baby forming in her womb and not showing yet by this time. And yet, he was turning it over. We have got to know the word of God, men. We have to trust in the word of God. And the next thing, like the song says, is while we're holding and trusting to that promise and those commands, we have to have our family in the other hand and allowing them to be able to understand and trust and be the leadership role in this. But here's the thing. After all the mistakes, after all of the deceit, after all of the doubting and the fears and everything that Abraham and Sarah has went through up to this time, I want you to turn the page. Genesis 21, if you're following along. After all of these things that they have done, just like you and I, listen to what verse 1 says. The Lord dealt with Sarah as He said He would. And the Lord did for Sarah as He what? promised she conceived she bore Abraham a son in his old age at the exact time that God had spoken that it would happen 
And Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, and he circumcised him on the eighth day as God commanded. And he was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. Man, you talking about grace, mercy, love, patience. After the lies, the deceit, the doubts, the fears, the everything that they had pulled. Still though, they still tried to follow God the best they could. Doesn't that give you and I hope? Because that's just the way we are. In the end, it says, God delivered on his promise. And he visited her when he said he would. And he delivered the promise that he said that he would. And you know why? Because the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. Abraham had quirks. Sarah had kinks. We have those same things. But nothing is about what you and I are. Everything is about who and what God is. And his character and his love is indescribable. And he was faithful to his promise and his covenant that he had said. So underline verse 1 that says he dealt with Sarah as he said he would and did for her as he promised. Because there are over 7,000 promises in this word that are directed to you and I. And just like walking outside at night and seeing the stars in the sky as a promise that God has made that I can deliver, right here is a promise that even though I have kinks and quirks and I have faults in my life, that if I continue, though, to strive towards that goal, even though I get caught up in life, God is still going to deliver on His promises and answer them for me because everything is about who and what he is, and not who and what I am. And he's faithful. And this verse will help us to never forget that he's going to remember those promises with us as well. He knows that we are flesh, and that we are weak, and that we are fallen, and that we have these things. But he says, continue to walk in my way and my path the best that you can, and I'll be the one who's faithful for you. And Abraham did what he was supposed to do. And he, whenever God made that covenant, all Abraham had to do was to put it there and watch God walk through the blood trail, the blood covenant that he made with him. He said, you watch. And then he said, if you believe at what I've done, that I will deliver on it because of who and what I am, then I want you to do this. I want you to believe and then be circumcised as a sign that you believe to all of those people who are around about in this world. But that also tells me that you're believing in what I told you I'm going to do for you. Now the application for you and I today. God has made a covenant with us, hasn't he? And this is actually a blood covenant with his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son to die upon the cross as a blood covenant with us, as a promise that he was going to give to those who believed, like Abraham, do you believe my promise? you believe the covenant I'm making with you? To those who believe in this, I will give you a reward of everlasting life. We have a new covenant of blood. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says it like this. God 
is demonstrating his love to you and I for, through this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it's not about us. It's about what he's done for us. He demonstrated his love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from the wrath of God that's come through him? God made the covenant with us. Jesus sealed it with his own blood, just as those animals did. He was the Lamb of God slain from the beginning of the world. Matthew 26, 27 and 28, as Jesus was getting ready to go to that cross, and the Lord's Supper was instituted, He took the cup, He gave thanks, He gave it to them and said, Drink of it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you. For the forgiveness of sins. Are you beginning to see a replication of here. Of what was demonstrated in the old. Was revealed in the new. Just like the covenant with Abraham. Nothing depends upon us. It depends upon God. It depends upon Jesus. And the work that he did upon the cross. And the promise then was. For them to be circumcised. Aren't you glad y'all. That that wasn't for us today. That we have a new covenant. Oh but we've got a symbolism of that same thing. We do it the same way, and it looks like this. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, right before Jesus ascended to the Father, he said this, Go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Baptism is that same expression of the faith. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to be saved, he says, I want you to do something as on your part as a demonstration. Not that it, you're saved by grace through faith. It's not that this is what you have to trust in. You're already trusting in the work that Christ did upon the cross. Let me show you how this goes hand in hand. How that baptism is like the circumcision that Abraham was asked to do is the same thing that we were asked to do in this covenant process. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 describes it this way. We are complete in Him, in Jesus Christ, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom ye also were what? Circumcised. With a circumcision made without hands. In other words, not the same way Abraham did it. This is a different one made without hands through faith, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Jesus Christ. When you're buried with him in baptism, wherein afterwards you are risen with him, what's it all represent? The faith of the operation of God that he raised Jesus from the dead and he's going to come back and do the same thing for us. You see, we've got that same covenant relationship going on. You who were dead, that's past tense. We were dead to the trespasses and sins of this fleshly mortal life. But now you are the uncircumcision of your life the way it was. But now he's made us alive together with him forgiving you of all of those things. And the next verses go down to say that he nailed those things to his cross. Amen. Boy, there ought to be a bunch of smiles out here right now. Because this is the same thing. This is the blood covenant. 
That like Abraham watched as God did the work and said, I am signing this with who and what I am. That I will deliver my promise to you. If you believe, you do this. God's son is now. That was all a representation being brought forward. God's son is the same thing. The cross represents that. And his sacrifice represents And he says, if you believe, you'll be saved. You believe in the operation that I can do and deliver the promise that I am. I'm giving you eternal life. Here's what I want you to do. Just as a demonstration of that so that the world can see that you're changed and that you're different. And that you believe in what I've told you and that you're following this promise. So as our worship team returns, told you we'd come full circle. Back to Romans chapter 4. We're right back where we started from. Abraham, the father of our faith. The faith that was counted unto him as righteousness. He received, it says in Romans chapter 4, the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of the faith that he had. It was a symbol, a seal of the faith that he had that God would deliver. Our symbolic one is the same way. It's a seal of what that we believe he's going to deliver of what he promised. And then it closes. Romans chapter 4 closes with this word for you and I. There's a reason why we study these things. Because it says this. Verse 23 and 24. The story of this faith that was credited to Abraham as righteousness. The story of the covenant. The blood trail. The story of the circumcision. The whole thing. This story was not recorded for him alone. It's not just there as a fairy tale or something to to read. This story is not for him. It is written for all of us, the Word of God says, who would one day be credited with having the same faith in God also, the one who raised up Jesus Christ our Lord from the realm of the dead. And this story represents the wisdom and the power of God that he delivers on what he said he would. So that when we face these same struggles, these same trials, these same doubts of life, that we go back and look at these things. And we look back to chapter 21, which says in the end that God delivered on his promise. He visited Sarah just like he said he would, and delivered the promise that he said. And I'm going to tell you what, he promised that one day he's coming back for those who are waiting for him and who have believed in him to take them home. And I believe that this story is here so that you and I can remain firm in that belief that he's going to complete the operation that he said he was going to do and he's going to take us home one day. Let's pray. Happy Father's Day, dear Father. Thank you for giving us the story of Abraham, the father of our faith, and how that you, as as the true father of all, have made such great, precious promises. You've given us these words that shows that it's not about who and what I am, but who and what you are, and your promise and your covenant And all I have to do is believe in it and walk that way towards you. Father, thank you for being such a great father who knows how to give good gifts to their children. 
Thank you for allowing us to hear the word and to become children of yours. If there's anyone here, Father, that has not given their self to you and become your child, we pray that today you become a new father with a new child of God and that they will give their heart and their life to you this day. And Father, for those who already have, we pray, Father, thanking you for the example of Abraham and Sarah that, that just as they had, had their doubts and their problems and their falls and their setbacks, that you still delivered on the promise because they still tried their best to be faithful. And we thank you for the same thing, Father. Thank you for that grace, that covenant in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the promise of eternal life. And we rest in hope and confidence that you're going to deliver and come back one day to fulfill the covenant because you are God. In Jesus' name, amen.